Good morning, class. <laughs> hey, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. I don't know what you've been going through, but a little of this praise and worship will go a long way in demonstrating our reliance on God and embracing the fact that we're two or more gathered together, there he is in our midst. And that uh, when, when we sing praises to him, the Bible says in Psalm 22 that he inhabits and rides on the praises of his people. So that's pretty significant. And um, I think, you know, you get, sometimes we get introspective and we start going into our interior thought processing and it can get, sometimes it's okay, sometimes it can get kind of morbid. And thankfully we can get invitation to turn our thoughts and our eyes on him, um, which doesn't put us in denial, it actually puts us in acknowledgement that we have a God who really cares about us. Right? Yes. And whatever you're facing, I, he's the Lord that heals us. He's, he's the sustainer. He can take a hold of a relationship and heal it. He, can do, he only does wondrous things. I said he only does wondrous things. Come on, church. Help me out. <clears throat> well, let's get ready to sow in the offering. I want to tell you we've got some good offerings coming up. We've got a women's Christmas breakfast that is going to be Saturday, December 10th at 9 a.m., Cost is only 20 bucks. It's for 13 and up. Tickets go on sale next Friday. So uh, buy a whole table, get your friends and neighbors to come. They always prove to be very excellent. The music, the message, the, the meal, all really sweet. And um, so there's that, and it'll be really a great time. Saturday, December 10th at 9 a.m. Um, we are doing our annual Build-A-Bag uh, where we're loving the neighborhood and giving extra to consolidate and bring some groceries um, during these tough economic times. Uh, we're uh, committed to the 2nd and 27th ward of our city. I guess they, I just found out they're going to rearrange the wards, so uh, we'll just have to figure that out. But we'll, um, we've been doing this for a couple decades, and we right now have a really good amount of groceries, but you want to give an extra bag. It's about 40 bucks, And if you've been shopping... How you can feed six people for 40 bucks, we're operating in the working of miracles. And we figured out a way to be, to really not cut corners and make it really nice. Um, people worked on it for weeks to get a really good menu that people could, we agreed most people would really enjoy. So um, it's food that I, I would really like, you know. What, what's wrong with macaroni and cheese, huh? Uh, don't tell my. Uh, my, my nutritionist, I said that, but she's not in the service, so maybe she's watching online. She does. She's like my conscience. She's everywhere. A Christmas concert is coming up, so save the date, November 30th, and then that's a Wednesday, then December 1st, 3rd, and 4th, and they'll all be at 7 p.m. There'll be a 3 p.m. matinee on Saturday the 3rd, so um, you don't want to miss that. Uh, it's going to be a blast. And uh, it's going to have a nice pacing to it, kids, uh, all ages, uh, you know, fun stuff, sacred stuff, Christmas stuff. It's going to be very, very enjoyable, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's, it it's, I, I talked to my neighbor, and he said, I'm coming. He said he was here last year. He's coming. So um, I've been believing God for my neighbors now, and God is opening up doors. I feel like we are in the beginnings of a harvest. I've, I've never seen so many people so receptive to the gospel. 
And, um, you, you know, it, I, I just want to encourage you to be available to that and, and be open and receptive to that um, so that, that you can have opportunity to speak into people's lives, right? Hallelujah. So there, those are the announcements, and we're always needing Children's Church volunteers, so there are opportunities on Friday and Sundays. And so if you visit the, cent, the uh, info center in the lobby, or you can, uh, you can go online and sign up and communicate with those, and uh, it'll be a help to us. Uh, just, it'll be great because we have so many kids. I yesterday had all of my grandkids all over the floor. I couldn't see the floor because it was covered with toys, toys I didn't even know we had, spread out everywhere. And uh, it was fun, man. It was fun. And uh, that's where we're at. We're going to see a lot of new births and a lot of people come into the kingdom. And we're going to see, uh, we'll be outnumbered by new believers as a church. This is something God spoke to me 20 plus years ago. And uh, it's coming to pass. Come, come through a global pandemic. We reach these points. Society is shifting the way it's shifting. The kingdom uh, of God is thriving. The, the, the church of the Lord Jesus is powerful. The gates of hell can't prevail against what Jesus builds. And he is doing that on, our, on an individual basis in us. And he's doing that as a collective, as a church. Amen. I see this group of family here that mom and dad died kind of young, and I miss them so much, but they're following in their what their parents gave them. Train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. And instead of getting cynical or blaming God, they just ran toward the Lord. And I miss those guys. They were godly, man, godly. They were amazing in our church. And now they're on the other side. And we'll, you know, that's an incentive to get saved. I talked to somebody who was, uh, said they were an atheist for seven years, but they left one toe in the door of, with God. And when her mother died, she said, when, when death happens, you start thinking about life. And I just ran into her in front of a grocery store just the other day. And I listened to her and I thought, I'm just glad you gave. I said, which toe was it? She goes, it was my right pinky toe. It was just stuck right in the door. I said, man, God will take whatever, whatever we give him, you know. And he, he held on to that, you know, and swung her around a little bit with it. No, he didn't. But he drew her back. And he's, she said she's coming. So I'm looking forward to her, she and her family coming back to church. Because you can get hurt. You can go through things, right? But the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. And his grace is sufficient. So, hey, listen, uh, let's get ready to sow and give in the offering. And uh, I want to read something to you that I read often out of 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Uh, it says, now he, I say in verse 6, he says, He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. My wife and I drove by Walter Grayler's farm last, just a couple days ago, and he sows bountifully. I mean, every square inch of his property, he, he plants row crops. But then over here, his son, is, uh, Walter's uh, son, has a nursery. But he also does the same thing. He plants every cubic inch. He's got evergreen trees, and he's got shade trees and things like that, and, and shrubs. And so he does, he does that with his nursery approach. Walter, his dad, does that with the row crops. We, as, as, a, as believers, we give lavish prayer and praise to God and he takes it and he uses it we give our tithes and our offerings 
in, in our generosity. We, we take some time to do that, and, he, and he's pleased with it. We, we give our efforts. We go through life as givers, as generous, and not stingy. And it says here, it says, uh, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. You know, I have purposed in my heart. I, I'm grateful I heard good teaching about tithing and giving early in my life, and I got on it, and I have no grudge about it. I don't do it under compulsion. I even had a pastor help me when somebody was trying to raise an offering and was manipulative and kind of putting it in a hype thing. Don't do it compulsively. You be led by the Holy Spirit. You notice I never try to uh, hype something up because we're not to be compulsive, but we're not to be grudging about it either. We're, we're to be uh, do as each has purposed in his heart. This is an intentional thing. It's a get-to thing. So uh, when we sow, when we give, I love sowing. Every time we give, I, we pray over those offerings and we believe God that he'll be honored and that it'll find its way into what purpose he wants to use it for and that we trust that as we sow, we're going to reap, right? And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Wow. And uh, it says in verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supplies and multiplies seed for sowing and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. There's a brother in the church that's been um, ardently researching uh, the food truck approach. Remember, I've been telling you that I want to get a food system where we could feed 4,000 people in two hours. How crazy is that, huh? But I know we need to do it. Jesus had to do it in his ministry. He fed 5,000 in less than two hours, so I'm trying to catch up with that. But I'm believing God that we're going to have the right equipment so we could go into a town if we need to use generators or a propane or whatever. If something, if an area has been ruined by a hurricane or tornado or just what, whatever use God is, is preparing us for. And um, God is going to help us with, uh, he'll, he'll supply the food. He meets all of our needs. Because it says, how do I know that? Because it says so right here. He provides seed for the sower and bread for food. So I am believing God ahead of time for the provisions so we can do that and we could just be mobile and we could go where we need to go and uh, it's going to be beautiful and uh, you know I, I believe in God for that and it, the funds are coming in for it and I'm excited so we'll pay everything off and we'll just use our funds to either build or advance the gospel and the levels for the next few years that God has for us uh, before the rapture of the church and the second coming by the way did I tell you I'm eventually going to teach on that yeah, well, I've got some information pre-rapture, pre pre-second coming. I'm going to be teaching you how to be led by the Spirit of God. It's going to be really good. So right now, I pray blessing on your offerings. You guys text to give. You can keep punching that button, and God will bless it. And uh, the staff will come up with buckets, and we're going to go right into a, a one more song, and then we're going to go to the Word. If, he, if uh, I saw Daniel go out to the car to get a pen, so I'm thinking he's going to take notes. So that's why I asked him to sit right there so I could watch my note taker. Unless he gave it to his wife, she's going to take the notes. He's smart. God bless you. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say the chains will never break. 
things. You know, he only does wondrous things. God is so good. Who in here has found the Lord to be good? I mean, we need to tell people about it without being obnoxious or heavy-handed, but we shouldn't hold back either. In the last service, actually Friday night, um, a couple from uh, Hungary uh, that uh, they, they, in their neighborhood, he was talking to his neighbor, and he would gradually present the gospel to him, and um, he, he said it didn't seem like it ever took hold, but they had a good relationship, and they would talk together every now and then. Well, then that family, he told me he, they moved away. They moved to Florida, and then, lo and behold, he gets a text from his friend that moved to Florida who had just been through that uh, hurricane, and he was in a rough spot in the hurricane, and um, he said they're not, they didn't really have a relationship for texting. I guess they ch- exchanged numbers but never did the texting communication until now. And he said, 
he, he texted him to say, thank God we were delivered. Thank, the God is faithful. Hallelujah. And he was like, and, and he, so he texted him back and he said, what's happening? He said, well, we found a good church. And so he felt like all the seed that they had sown that gave no indication that there was any receptivity, but yet the power and the value of just consistently testifying, consistently uh, showing love and paying respect and, and, and trying to get the seeds out uh, had a payoff. Isn't that great? Yeah. And uh, I, I'm a product of that. I want to tell you that when the guy talked to me about Jesus, this is Veterans Weekend, I, uh, Veterans Day, and I got led to the Lord by a Vietnam veteran. I'll be forever grateful for his service, but I'll be grateful that he also served the gospel to me at that critical moment. And um, so, man, let's go right into the Let's go right into the moment of prayer right now. Can we do it? Father, take this message and help me to speak it clearly. I pronounce blessing over all these people. I trust you to give guidance and give direction. And I pray we would be very, very hungry, thirsty, teachable in Jesus' name. Amen. Who in here would like to be cured of stupid, doofus behavior right now? Anybody? (laughs) Just that's an admission that occasionally we have it, right? And um, I'm going to tell you, there is a cure, and God could actually bump us farther away from stupid and, and more into line with uh, obedience and hearing from him, and we'll get a greater outcome through our life. In John 10, Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I have come to, get, to give life that you might have life and have it abundantly. He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he also says this in this context. He says, my sheep know my voice, verse 5, and the voice of strangers they do not follow. They do not know the voice of strangers. There is so much voicing going on, right? We hear so many different opinions, so much conjecture, so many ideas that as believers, thinking Christians who are called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, um, you know, we, we've got to take heed to and listen to the master's voice. And just the fact that he says, my sheep know my voice. Look, I had my five grandkids at the house, and they're little human beings, right? Wasn't that wonderful that you learned that? And, and they, they're learning... Uh, you know, to, that they get food from their mother and they're, they're learning about the way they interact, that, you know, uh, it, it's amazing uh, how they, they, say, they say hi back to you and I love you. I'm certain of it. I'm certain of it. That, you know, you end up with the most genius kid when they, and they say, you say hi and they go, hi. And you go, they said hi. <laughs> and uh, and uh, little Evangeline at six months old, she was going, And she said, Papa, that's her first word. Don't take that away from me. I heard it. I heard it. Nobody else heard it, but I heard it. She said, Papa. And uh, because they're human, they do human stuff. Well, listen, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And I want to teach you today about how to be led by the spirit of God. And just the the first point of my five-point message is, We need to realize that we are spiritual beings. We need to realize that because a lot of people don't believe that. 
I was reading about a stand-up comedian who was born Jewish, and then he dismissed all of it, and he's an atheist. And he married a woman, and I didn't know who this woman was in entertainment. She's written a couple of books. And she ended up interested, coincidentally, she wrote a book on following your intuition. And I thought, she's in denial about the existence of God. She's in denial, therefore, of the spiritual reality. So she's advocating, yet that you just follow your gut feelings and things like that. And I thought, well, this is interesting. And I I listened to it and I thought, man, when I followed my gut feelings before I got saved, it got me in trouble over and over again. And even as a Christian, if I'm not walking right and my conscience, I could sear my own conscience with sin. So it's like... uh, where is the reliable indicator? What are, teach us how to live, God. What is this? Well, the Bible says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And there are a number of references in the Bible uh, that acknowledge we are spiritual beings. Um, you know, when Jesus t- talked to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, you must be born from above. That, there, there's fleshly, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. You know, this November of uh, 1972 was that moment when I got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit as a young person. And so I'm in my 50th, what, birthday or anniversary, I don't know, but a half a century with the Lord. And it's been, it feels like so as fresh as it just happened. And, but I've also learned a lot of things along the way, right? And I've learned that God, we are spirits, we have souls, and we live in bodies. This is so important. Um, Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the writer of Hebrews talks about the scripture as uh, uh, sharper than a two-edged sword, and that it, it, it pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. There's a lot of amazing, deep truth embedded in this statement. God's word, as we spend time in it, even like right now, you watching the scriptures on the screen, reading your Bibles on your lap, or hearing me preach, and then also your daily study of this book, As you love your Bible, this is number two, love your Bible because it's God's word and it says it's spirit and it's life. He says, my word is spirit and it's life. There's a a living nature to the word of God. God's word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's life-giving. It's not just good literature. It's it's not just commentary about a religion. It's it's actually God-inspired and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for training in righteousness. So the man, woman, or child of God can be equipped and, and sufficient and adequate and prepared and ready for every good work. How many of you like the idea of being adequate and equipped? We all feel inadequate and the devil is always there to belittle us. And we all feel ill-equipped. I know at times in my life when I was called to do uh, significant things and provide responsibility... I didn't feel like I was adequate, and I didn't feel like I was equipped. Even Paul said, who is sufficient for these things? Like, he even felt the the limitations of his flesh. But yet, he said uh, that thanks be to God, he's the one that gives us the strength. You know, that we are sufficient and able ministers of the New Testament. 
In him we live and move and have our being. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And as such, we are his sheep and we know his voice. We know the master's voice. And God's called us to a fine-tuning moment right now because the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy has specialized. Uh, He has always been the father of lies and therefore is the master deceiver. Before he fell from heaven like lightning, the Bible says something amazing. He was perfected in wisdom. Lucifer was perfected in wisdom. And yet with his free will, even though he had such cherished position with God, he decided to forfeit it because of pride. And there was a power shift in his own life. And he forfeited, and there's no redemption for Satan and fallen angels and demons. And and so don't feel sorry for him. There is, however, thankfully, redemption for humanity, and my Redeemer lives. And we it's imperative that we learn these things before the rapture of the church and the second coming so we can see a great harvest amongst the lost and a great stirring amongst the church. For me to go run into somebody that said, I've been an atheist hardcore for seven years, but I did keep my pinky toe in the door with God, and now God's drawing me back. It's like, boy, that is part of what we've been praying All we like sheep have gone astray. And my wife has been really uh, saying, hey, I believe we're going to see people that have been away from God coming back to God. And and, and I think as crazy as the world is, um, this is one of the more important uh, things for us to learn today. Uh, To be sensitive to the, just even to know that God's willing to speak to us. We serve a speaking God. And and I I don't want you guys to, to confuse um, uh, what that means. It's, I, I'm going to talk today about that inward witness. Uh, like the, another verse talks about the still small voice. Uh, I could, can I say it? It's like a subtle prompting. It's not like audible voice type of stuff. That's so rare in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So rare in the life of a believer. But I'll tell you what is constant is this uh, impression. And, I, and this lady writing this book about follow your intuition, but if she's cut away from acknowledging God and cut away from absolutes and values, in fact, for sure, she started to get real hot, harsh about certain social elements that were totally against God and his word. So I realized, wow, you, you know, your conscience is seared with like with a hot iron. So you're, you're the, you're, though you're advocating somehow that you follow these impressions and your conscience and your intuition, it's, 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 uh, it's, it, it's suspicious, it's dangerous, uh, because if it's detached from God, then it's going to be prone toward ungodliness. So, but when we're born again, we've been accepted in the beloved, we've been cleansed of sin, and we who were lost and in darkness have now been made the righteousness of God in Christ, and that now our citizenship is in heaven, and we're, uh, we're new inside, and we have this uh, uh, activation of, of, of uh, we know the master's voice. And, 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 it, and it, when we read the Bible, I remember when I got saved, the Bible began to make sense to me. Like the next day when I read it, I was like, whoa, this that was so confusing, all of a sudden, the, I've met the author of the book, and he's bringing revelation to me, and he's helped me. Hasn't he helped you? He's so faithful. So um, we need to realize that we're spiritual beings. And, and in fact, here's another verse. I think it's important we see this. Um, to, to get solid doctrine, you can't just pull one scripture. So that, 
That verse talks about spirit, soul, and body, as does 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll look at this quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and it says, Now may the God of peace himself, aren't you glad he's the God of peace? The God of peace himself sanctify you or set you apart entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body, say that, spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I see that we are spirits, we have souls, our mind, our emotions, our will, our thinking faculties, and we live inside these bodies, right? And the language, the, the, the signals of our body are our five physical senses. And the language and the voicing of our mind are our thought processes. And Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the innermost parts of his being. Um, so God's spirit, he wants to speak to us, to our spirit. So we don't need to go to a psychic for prophetic insights for our future. We, we don't need to go to the zodiac for uh, fortune telling for our uh, decisions or steps we're to make. As, as titillating or tempting or as, as pervasive as that is, the Old Testament actually really warns us to avoid witchcraft. And, and, and as I see it, those are counterfeits for the real thing. So then it makes me want to go toward the real thing and have nothing to do with the counterfeits, right? So I'm really adamant about it. And uh, so, but yet, just knowing, hallelujah, that God has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us. And, 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 and here's the thing I want to say. One of the points is don't idealize the Old Testament characters' experiences. Don't idealize the Old Testament characters' experiences. Recently, we were asked for some counsel, a couple, an opportunity for a job and so forth. And they, so they uh, asked us to pray. So after church, uh, we got together and we prayed about it. And uh, the woman made a statement that I totally related to. She said, can't I just get a burning bush? Remember when Moses was in the wilderness and, and he had to take your shoes off. This is holy ground. I need a burning bush. And I need that, uh, the writing on the wall that happened for that king in the book of Daniel, stuff like that. And, and, and initially, and at the beginning, sometimes God will give us some of those things. But he, wants, he insists that we grow. We're to grow in all aspects in him, right? And we're to get away from and be fortified uh, from all these voices and all this deception. And God's transferred us out of the darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. And so there are characteristics that now define us. And his spirit, it says in Romans chapter 8, will bear witness with our spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit. King James says, bears witness with our spirit. This is so critical that you get this because that lady who, and she's funny and she's been around a while. She's walked with God for years. 
She said they went on a vacation, and she said everywhere they went, it was like the Holy Spirit was showing her to do this and then do this. Everywhere they turned, it was like, and she said, why would that happen in that setting? But then in this huge, more heavyweight bearing decision, why wouldn't we, I need a burning bush. And then we laughed, and I thought, boy, I would like that too. But God weans us from that. It's just like little kids, you know, they go from, uh, from formula to pablum to solid food. And God wants us to grow up, right? And so we never grow out of this, however, this inward witness, this, this still small voice. I think about Elijah. He was depressed. He had, been, he had just done something great in God, and he was under severe attack by Jezebel. And his life was threatened. And, and he that was so confident and so bold and prophesied so clearly hid under a juniper tree and said, I just want to die. And he was panicked over this woman's threats. But the Holy Spirit helped him. He had him lay down and, and, and have a nap and eat some healthy food and take a nap. And God's very practical with us, isn't he? he sometimes we just need to just take a break and just rest and, and, um, and, and eat right and, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, it, by the way, M&Ms and Skittles are not vitamins. They look like vitamins. And I've tried, to, I've tried to take them, you know, and they're not the same as vitamins. They look like vitamins, but they're not vitamins. That's, just, that's my message to you. All right. But there was all this fanfare. There was like an earthquake, and there was wind, and there was noise, and flash, and power. And God's voice wasn't in any of it. But then... A still small voice. A still small voice. There's a verse in the Old Testament that said, a voice will come to you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And this is what I think I'm advocating today. That in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon different people um, sort of sporadically, sort of arbitrarily, sort of randomly, as the Lord was guiding in that Old Testament context. And fantastic things did transpire. But none of those people were born again. None of those people had, had experienced salvation. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that, that Joel prophesied would come on all flesh hadn't happened yet. That's why we have to understand and judge the Bible in light of what Jesus did and understand the Old Testament in that light as well. So we, I just need a burning bush. I, 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 you know, I need a confirmation. I need, I need outward confirmation. Though, the, though God is so merciful and loving, he'll, he will give outward indicators. It, actually, the Bible says it's a crooked and perverse generation that seeks after a sign. And so God doesn't want us to be, uh, be sign-oriented in the outward, tangible. Like, well, that psychic said they love Jesus, and they told me all this about, and a lot of this was accurate about my family. So I'm going to, based on that, I, I, well, see, what I believe about that is uh, it, it, there's a familiar spirit involved and it knows your family history. And uh, so we don't want to play in those dimensions. We want to stay away. We're, we're exhorted in the Old Testament people. Do not consult with seers, you know. And, and, and it, I, it, it, I don't even know why it would be necessary for me to say this because this seems like Christianity 101. But there, there are indications that Christians are taking some of this, and with the advent of the internet, you could punch all this stuff up, and people look real sweet, and oh, I love Jesus, and you, you gotta. We're not to be even. We're not even to be led by per personal prophecy. 
In the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet role is different than the New Testament prophet. And it doesn't say anywhere in the New Testament that we are to be led by New Testament prophets or prophecy. So I've always been really concerned about this when people line up and they're supposed to marry this person or move to this town. I I get real guarded about that. I think, wait a minute, Uh, that's for confirmation, not for revelation. The way I know that is in 1 Corinthians, it says prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification is to, does it build you up? Does Does it encourage your faith? Uh, uh, exhortation does it does it not direct you and and demand you do something but does it encourage you along the right lines and comfort does it agitate you does it freak you out put it on the shelf if it if it doesn't comfort you put it on the shelf uh, and and if it's directive put it on the shelf uh, people come along and start giving you words and things like that it's like well uh, there's value in these things. We're, we're to covet spiritual gifts. But I'm telling you, when I'm preaching here as a pastor, um, as someone who's pastored in this town for 42 years, someone who's been a Christian, spirit-filled for a half a century, uh, I want to tell you, this is what primary, this is the primary way God is going to lead us going forward. So the lady joked about how she wanted a burning bush, uh, and, and she said, why, isn't, why am I not getting the same kind of joyous, easy-to-interpret promptings for this big decision I'm for the little decision? I thought it was a great question. And my wife said, because God is wanting us to grow up. And, I, and she said it in a really sweet way, and I thought, that's true. God is, we're to grow up in all aspects in him. And if you just first of all, you know that you, the Bible says you actually are created to know the master's voice, that's going to help you out. When I, got, when I was a kid and they gave me a transistor radio with a little antenna on it, I knew that it had the capacity to pick up radio waves. And it was only AM because it, it didn't have FM on it. It was old school. And, uh, and I would turn it and it would get you know, the, the dial until it would be scratchy, scratchy, static. And all of a sudden, boop, I'd find a station. And I would be able to listen. And it was so cool. And I just knew this thing with transistors and a battery and a, and a speaker and an and a antenna has been created by its designer to pick up radio waves, right? You and I, we, have been created in Christ to be able to pick up the master's voice. He says, you know the master's voice and the voice of a stranger you will not follow. So that God actually wants us to be deception proof because the whole world lies in the power of the wicked one. And, and if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it's really something I need to share with you because this is why I got concerned about this lady's book and just her saying, just follow your intuition. And then she's advocating all kinds of things that were anti-God, and I thought, whoa. So, but look at what it says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the, look at this, the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, uh, look at this, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Can I just give you a summary of what's happening around us? Before I got saved, I had no hope and I was without God in the world. My conscience wasn't even activated. I couldn't differentiate between good and evil. I was dead in my sins. I was, un, I was not uh, rejuvenated or reborn. I, I was lost. 
And uh, thankfully, the Holy Spirit dealt with me. I remember walking through the orange groves on a winter night in California, crying out to a God I didn't know. And, he, and thankfully, he sent people to tell me about Jesus. Thankfully. In fact, it's Veterans Weekend, and I got led to the Lord by a, vet, a veteran who had been through such harshness, combat, heroin addiction. He came home and cheated on his wife, got in the immorality of the 60s and 70s, failed his marriage, got an Eastern religion, nothing satisfied him, looked at me and told me Jesus changed his life. I, I acted indifferent to it. I said, there are many paths to God. I think, you know, I'm glad you found something for yourself. And um, he said, well, I used to think that there were many paths to God too, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Guys, I'm a product of that verse. And that verse was actually Jesus' answer to Thomas. So I'm a disciple of Thomas. And you'll never hear me call him Doubting Thomas. Because I don't see him as Doubting Thomas. I see him as inquisitive and honest Thomas. And he asks the right questions. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Thank, I'm a product of Thomas asking that question. And Jesus giving that amazing, succinct answer. And then I think, wow, the whole, there's the spirit that is now working in the children of disobedience. That explains everything, doesn't it? And that when we, as we walk through this world, isn't it good to know you have a, your design like that transistor radio where you, he said, my sheep know my voice. Right now, as I'm preaching this, I'm alerting you uh, to this. Most most of you, I'm preaching, uh, uh, stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder. You say, Pastor Jeff, I, know, I do know I know the Master's voice. I know the Word is His written will, and I do know that the Holy Spirit can, will, and does speak into my spirit. He will convey things. He, his Spirit will bear witness with my spirit. There, there's a, I remember when I got saved, I had an assurance, a blessed assurance that I was truly saved. And the times when the accuser has come to try to make me to question my salvation, I've gone back to the word of God and gotten strengthened and, and realized that I, that I may know that I have eternal life. And also, I know the master's voice. Not like a swami, not like a guru. It's available. This is the thing. This has proliferated throughout the entire human race. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And, he, and so we actually have by spiritual wiring, can I say, the ability to hear and know and be led by the Holy Spirit. And this puts us in amazing advantage because then we can follow that. And I'll use an example of our traffic lights. Uh, a red light means stop. A green light means, and a flashing yellow light means proceed with caution, right? And so I, I think it's good, too, that two-thirds of it is keep you in motion. One is halt. But, uh, but I think there are a lot of things where I've had a sense in my spirit, and it's kind of like it, I'm going to proceed with caution. And then I've had, I've had a green light on a thing. Uh, uh, people have asked me, how, how do you feel about this? And, and that's the term we use, but it doesn't mean five physical senses. It doesn't mean mental impression. It's that inward witness, right? It's hard to get certain terminology. Uh, in church, in my culture, we've, we've called that, we've, we've coined phrases uh, like, I have a check in my spirit. Has anybody ever heard that? That's kind of become a thing in our, some of our circles. It, it, it's just, you know, sort of church speak, but it, it alludes to, I have a 
I have a hesitancy about that. I, I, you know, my wife has helped me. She said, you're in the flesh right now. And it's like, uh, okay, thank you. Because, uh, and I actually bear, you're right, I am. I, you know, or no, I wasn't in the flesh then. You just thought I was. So we, so we negotiate, you know, because I, and, uh, but how many of you know the difference of the spirit and the flesh? Well, a lot of church hasn't differentiated between spirit, soul, and body. And this is where I think there's some trouble. A lot of things are done soulishly, uh, originating from intellect and impressions and leaning on our own understanding, which Proverbs 3 exhorts us not to. The Gospels tell us we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, so I'm not anti-intellectual and I'm not anti-education. I'm a life learner, and I think we should develop our brains and keep them sharp throughout and keep learning and keep advancing. My dad was so high tech, he was always ahead of all the young people with his, his computer and then his laptop. He brought home one of the first prototype Apple computers with a mouse and, and, and he showed it to me and I, you know, I just looked at it. You know? and, and he was so ahead of things. Uh, it, life learning is an important thing, but we don't, we're not to lean on our soulish. I've seen people do things I've seen Christians do things. I've done things that didn't originate in my spirit with God. And I want to always make sure that it's God. Because in Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those that build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord is the watch, watching the city, those who keep watch or guard keep awake in vain. How many of you want to avoid being a li- having a life of, of vanity and you want to have a life of of excellence and of impact. Raise your hands. Help me out. Help me out. Okay, listen. Raise one hand. You're my transistor radio from the 60s that my mom and dad gave me, gift wrapped. You have the ability to hear the master's voice. Put your hand by your ear. You remember, uh, oh, what was uh, uh, the name? Was it Skipper from uh, RCA? Was his name Skipper, the dog? Remember? Gipper? Nipper, nipper, nipper. I was close. No, it's nipper. And remember, it was that white dog with a couple of black spots. It had its ear up, and it was up to a gramophone. It was the RCA uh, logo. Remember that? This is a great example because you haven't seen it for 70 years. But anyway, uh, I love that. Somebody even gave me a little plaster statue of nipper um, because... He knew, he, he, he knew the master's voice, and it said the, the, his master's voice. He just, I see moms in church, and kids are running around, and they're talking in conversation, and they go, that's my kid, go get him. You know, they don't even have to look. And I'm telling you, in the church of the Lord Jesus, God has designed that to make us de- deceptive, deception-proof. He says, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. That is an assurance, isn't it? Just knowing that Jesus built something into this transistor radio called your human life, that that you have a spirit. And uh, God, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. He, in other words, that's the part God communicates with with us. That's why I don't need to go refer to zodiac signs. I don't need to go to tarot card readers. I don't need to go to psychic people. I don't need to go to any of that stuff. It's all a pathetic counterfeit for this wonderful, amazing life 
that we're called to, where we can know the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will teach us, help us to discern properly and stay out of false doctrine and get on track, not be deceived. There's a documentary about a deceiver from Texas who deceived a whole bunch of smart people, and God will cause people to be uh, uh, deception-proof if we'll learn to listen to him. And it, does it line up with the word? Does it exalt Jesus? Um, does it socially get you in weirdness? No, God, God goes and makes us supernaturally normal. He calls us to go into the world and love people and even love our enemies and not be isolated and not just draw away from people, but draw into a, a place where we care, light, we're light bearers, right? And we're walking with him. And we might just be uh, the answer to somebody's prayer. We might just be, uh, as we follow and, and tune into this, some good things can happen. Good things can happen. And these subtle, learning how to read the subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit. And this is God's primary way of guiding us. It's by that inward witness. It's that sense, quote unquote, that, that was on the inside, that, 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 that either that, that prompting, that green light, or that check, that halting. And my wife and I, we've developed communication because we both believe this, and we'll check with each other. What do you get in your spirit? We say things like that. What do you get in your spirit? And she'll even say, look, you, you know, you're just jumping to a conclusion. You're hurt or mad or you're, you know, you're inclined to this or that. And she, I mean, we do that with each other. Not, I'm, not, I'm saying it really compressed right now. I'm not like saying that there's this badgering thing. It's, it's a process we've learned to help each other, right? And um, so uh, because we want to make sure, especially when you're in this level of responsibility, parents with kids, man, we pray that we get the right direction on these things. Pastor of a church, I better hear from God because I don't want to do anything that's in vain. I want to make sure it's God, and I want to write, I, I want to lead correctly and preach right because uh, James 3.1 says teachers will incur a stricter judgment or a greater condemnation. I live that. That's hanging over my head. When people get all obsessed and get ministry crazy, I think, you ought to reread the Bible, man. Uh, you might want to just go to work and just be a Christian and not take on these roles of responsibility. In fact, you're not called to. If you're called to it, I stand with you. But if you're not, don't go there. Don't go there. You know, just be led by, just stay in your lane and do what God's called you to do. And you'll be so, you'll, you'll provide such an impact on the earth. You'll have such an impact on the earth. Well, because the Amplified Bible describes the Holy Spirit in seven ways, as number one, comforter, helper, counselor, advocate, intercessor, standby, strengthener. Jordan's taking notes. Comforter, helper. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit will help you? Yes. Counselor, advocate, intercessor, standby, strengthener. Isn't it good you got somebody there to help you out? He's, 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 on, he's on standby. You know, there, there are these amplifiers. There's a, a guitar amplifier back here. It's Bobby Willis's amplifier. And there are settings on there. There's a main power toggle and there's a standby. And you're supposed to turn, you're supposed to warm it up and keep it on standby so that it doesn't shock 
all of the, the, uh, the tubes, these tube amps, so you get that rich tone. Um, we're, we're, God wants us to understand the Holy Spirit is always on, and that standby, all you have to do is flip that switch, and the standby is there, and you've got the power ac- access. It's all there. It's not like you have to turn it on and wait for it to warm up. I'm telling you, God is available to us right now. In the big, long-range decisions, the medium decisions, and the, the simple decisions of our day. By the way, you know, I got lost at sea in New Zealand. I fell off cliffs. I stepped on rattlesnakes. I, you know, I've gone, I flipped off motorcycle handlebars. I've, uh, and you would think I'm like an adrenaline junkie. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, a, I'm not a daredevil. I'm not into some, I don't have a death wish. I'm not a, but I just have done a lot of kind of things, extreme things like that. Because, man, I, I'm a lover of life. Now, I want to get out there and live it. I don't want to just sit there and let, watch reality shows about people weaving baskets and think, well, that's fascinating. Well, my mo- muscles are getting on. And I go to bed and go, that guy made an amazing basket. And, <laughs> That's not very fulfilling, you know. I reckon we ought to learn how to make the baskets, you know, with our toes. You know what I mean? But um, I want to tell you something about being led by the Holy Spirit. It is high adventure. It is, it's the opposite of monotony. And just having this meeting and letting the switch turn on and me reminding you, you know the master's voice. And demystifying it, so it's not like you're looking for something spooky and, you know, paranormal. Uh, I want to show you this is biblically normal. This is this is a norm in the scriptures. But when people advocate, oh, follow your conscience, but if you're not saved, you and you let your conscience be your guide, it'll get you in a ditch really fast. And if you 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 haven't, you don't even acknowledge there is a God and the Holy Spirit. I mean, humanity, it does have vestiges of blessing because we're made in God's image, but we don't want to try to operate independently from him. That's like when Nimrod built the Tower of Babel, basically as an affront to God saying, hey, we don't need you. And that's the spirit of the age. That's what Ephesians 2 gives commentary about, that we were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins and that we were uh, caught up in the prince and power of the air and, and uh, we formerly walked according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. You'll see this. You'll discern this. There's a spirit operating in a lot of people right now in the world. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And I'm not creating an us and them dynamic because all, we all came out of that. We, that's why we got saved. And it's like now it's like, please come over here. It's better to walk with God. It's, more, it's so thrilling to be saved, and it's so, it's, it's so assuring to know you can have access to the throne of grace, and your prayers get answered, and the Holy Spirit is there to help you, right? Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm running out of time, but I just want to tell you that Jesus said in John 14, 16, he says, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. He'll be with you forever. My guitar amp is always on and up to 10, spiritually speaking. And whenever I need to, I don't have it on all the time because it'll start buzzing. But I just, I'll flip on that switch and I'm ready to play. I keep my amp warmed up. And uh, uh, I want to keep my lamp trimmed and burning spiritually, right? In fact, there's oil of the Holy Spirit that's pouring on you right now as this is being preached. 
God's stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder. God will begin to prompt you and speak to you. Hey, don't, don't go yet. Wait, wait a little while. No, don't, don't, don't go on that. Listen, I have violated this prompting of this Holy Spirit too many times to count. And the consequences loom before me. And so I want to turn it around to teach and say, hey, don't override the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Don't underestimate it. Always, don't ignore it. Always access it. And, and, and I, I'm not advocating being spooky and halting and all creepy. And, uh, but I'm just saying, okay, God, I, I, if, if I want to know, does this line up with the scriptures? Is this something you want me to do? Is this, is this how you want me to do it? I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you to help me, right? Um, so the helper whom the Father will send, it says in verse 26 in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. You'll be able to d differentiate between good and evil. You'll be able to watch the news and pick up where somebody's lying and just know in your spirit. And it doesn't have to do with any political bias. You'll just know it in your spirit. You'll also, uh, that you can trust God for something called, additionally called the discerning of spirits, which is a gift that the Holy Spirit occasionally prompts. There's a general biblical discernment, however, that we're to operate in generally all the time. Does it line up with the Bible? Does it honor Jesus? It Does it bear witness in my spirit, right? And then occasionally God will give you an amplification of that and you'll just know in your spirit. This for some reason operates a lot in my life and it's like when it does, I think, how come people don't see this? And it's because the Holy Spirit has given me this prompting where I just see it, I'm so convinced you can't persuade me otherwise. I'm not, it doesn't cause uh, brutishness or stubbornness. It just makes you adamant where you know, whoa, you know, and, 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 Boy, the times I've allowed myself to be manipulated, the times I've allowed Christians to talk me in or out of stuff, I regret it, I regret it, and I pray that we learn and grow up where it's like, man, I just have to follow the witness in my spirit, right? Boy, I'm good. That's a good place to be done. Let's all stand up. Hallelujah. I have so much more to teach. I only chipped into one-third of my message. I have more Sundays. Are you prophesying that? I have more Sundays. Look at somebody next to you and say, we have more Sundays. So you guys want to hear the rest of this message? Come next Sunday. Hallelujah. Say this with me. I know the master's voice. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. God has made me deception proof. By virtue of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He guides me always and only into the truth. He takes from Jesus and he reveals to me. My steps, therefore, are ordered by the Lord. I'm becoming more sensitive, less carnal more open to the Lord, less compulsive. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm not doing things in the flesh. I'm not even going to be soulish. God is going to help me to be led into his purposes for my life. So I lay aside all sin, all weights and encumbrances, 
and I surrender my life to Jesus. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus lives big in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, listen. There's a Lutheran church that had a sign in their parking lot. You can't see from the street. You see it if you go to the service. You are now entering the mission field. As you go, our sign says, honor God, help people. It'll honor God for you to tune in. Pray in the spirit, pray with your understanding, stay in the Bible, be sensitive, be available, uh, watch for opportunities. Uh, God will have you go for a walk and have you run into people. What happened to us? We ran into two, we were, we were together and we ran into two really key situations just in, as we were going. And it was amazing how God provided a contact here and a contact here. It happens all the time. And, and those who are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. We know the Master's voice, right? So put your hand on your heart. And that God, I pray the subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit will be clear as a bell in each one of these hearts. God, we won't violate it or override it. That we'll be sensitive to your voice. Take a deep breath and say amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for coming.